How's everybody? Good? Just good? <laughs> Not great? It's Christmas! No? No? No good? Christmas stinks? No good? Celebration of Christ Mass? Christ Mass? You guys know it's December 25th is not the actual day Jesus came. It's just something that the Roman Emperor decided when uh, the whole world was Christian at that moment. A known world. And they just decided, well, there's a pagan ritual called the winter solstice when they celebrated the coming of the light again in the midst of winter darkness. And they said, well, they're celebrating this thing, this pagan thing, so why don't we just replace it with Jesus coming? Did you guys know this, or am I just talking without? Did you guys actually think it was 25th? That was the day. <laughs> Tyler's like, good thing you knew that before you went to Ontario. <laughs> Telling people, today's the day, guys. <laughs> it's a symbol. Uh, we actually don't know the exact date. But we do know that it is something that we hold on to because no matter how dark it is, there's always the light. The light comes into the darkness, as according to John 1, and the darkness could not overcome it. Praise God. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Not for the gifts, but the gifts are good. That's my, I learned that that's my love language, is gifts. For all other people except my family is quality time. My daughter, I need quality time. <laughs> She's like, I got exams, Dad. <laughs> All right, you guys, ha you guys happy? We're good? I'm just trying to stall here for a couple minutes. <laughs> it's been a very interesting week. We have uh, the Omicron. Now we're going to have the... So we're, they're going down the Greek al alphabet. It's making me remember my Greek. Uh, but we just we got to remember... The news is not fake news, but there's also a greater news, which is the good news, that Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. Hey. Those are little, hey, <laughs> hey, he will start it and he will finish it, the Omega. Am I good to go now? <laughs> All right, let's go. I'm good. They're probably wondering, like, why are you stalling for no reason? All right, so because it's Christmas, and I'm really happy because I finished teaching, and I'm done for the year, and I have to, <laughs> thank you, thank you, Chris, and uh, um, somebody asked me this week, so how's your week, how's it gonna, what's going to happen in December, are you busy? I said, well, I don't have to lecture anymore. No more classes. Um, I just have to grade papers. And they're like, oh, nice. And I said, do you know what it's like to grade <laughs> the same paper from different people? <laughs> but it's the same thing. And you, because you're getting paid, you have to actually read these papers and look at the citations. And oh, yeah. So that's what I, that's what, that's, I'm thankful for that. Thank you, Jesus, for our job, for vocation, to be the light into the darkness. But that's my next two weeks, so 
But I'm happy because it's Christmas. And all this to say, I am beginning a series on Christmas. Because I, w- I feel like I, g- I want to get festive. You know what I mean? I'm not feeling festive enough. I just keep telling my wife, can we get some decorations up? She's like, small condo. When we had a house, we had like a huge tree and, you know, decorations. And I set it up for the kids to just put some stuff on there. And um, thank God I don't have to set up that tree anymore. But we have nothing set up. I don't feel Christmassy. I don't feel, so I'm trying to watch old movies. <laughs> trying to get into the feel and then there's nothing is going to make me feel more Christmassy than reading the word of God. (laughs) I feel a little funny today. (laughs) All right. Here's my reading glasses. I brought it from the office so now I can actually use it. Luke 2. I have something really good today. Just want to let you know. If it's not good, It's on you, it's not on me. (laughs) Okay, Luke 2. Now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinus was governor of Syria, and everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to the Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. 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 Beth means house. Lechem means bread. That Jesus came from the house of bread. That was good. Because he was of the house of the family of David in order to register along with Mary who was engaged to him and was with child. And and while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And we all know the whole story. But this is a verse that I want to preach on. And I'm going to preach on chapter 1 and 2 for the next two weeks at least. Verse 19, it says this, But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. Because the shepherds came. Elizabeth, John the Baptist in the womb, leapt. She pondered. In chapter 1, it says, Gabriel came and said, Greeting, favor one, the Lord is with you. Verse 28. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering. Pondering what kind of salutation this was. Angel said, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. Verse 33, He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. How, she said, and the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. The word overshadow in the Greek, then translated that to the Hebrew, Genesis 1, is the same word when the Holy Spirit hovered over the dark waters before creation. Then Mary said in verse 38, Mary said, Behold, may it be done to me according to your word. So I want to talk to you about two things that 
occurred in these passages, in these chapters. Be done unto me. Everybody just repeat that. Be done unto me. And pondering. You don't have to repeat the pondering. It's the yes. Be done unto me is just another fancy way of saying yes. Yes is the most powerful word that actuates and manifests the kingdom of God on the earth. I don't know why, in it's God's sovereignty and wisdom and his infinite wisdom, he has decided to depend on the human yes. I'm just going to pause there. The history, the hinge of history, the salvation of the world dependent on Mary to say, be done unto me. I, the, the Bible doesn't give us the luxury of the what if. What if she said no? Plan B. Not Mary, Jenny. Let's go with Jenny. There was no, the Bible doesn't give us the luxury, a footnote, or EBIT, or APA citation. There's no, nothing. It doesn't say, in case Mary said no, we had another plan. No, it all hinged on this one girl, 16-year-old girl, that was betrothed to be married, which in that time was the same thing as being married. It's not engaged. It, they, they were living separately, but they were, it was as if she was married. And for her to say, yes, impregnate me, means that she will be caught in, in adultery, which is punishable by death. This is no joke. For her, yes, cost her so much. It's that, yes, be unto me. And the Holy Spirit doesn't really, Angel Gabriel doesn't really say anything. Um, you're going to get pregnant, you're going to give birth to a son. Oh, by the way, that son is going to be the son of God and the Savior of the world. And how is this going to happen? The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. Okay, well, that makes total sense. I will do that, yes. That makes total sense. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Okay, good. So she had nothing to say except pondering, huh, ponder. And I'm going to develop that word a little bit later. It's how Jesus told his disciples, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Then I will show you. Come follow me, and I will show you. The showing comes after the coming. Not coming and then show, uh, not showing me, and then you prove everything to me, give me all the reasons, and I will follow you. It's the yes before the show. It's the yes before the show. That's the Christian walk. If you're, if you're looking for every rational reason, everything that you had, all your doubts to be erased for you to say yes, then you're never going to say yes because the things that God is asking us to do is irrational. The thing, the gospel itself is irrational. For you to make the gospel that is irrational, rational is a futile attempt trying to put a circle into a square. How are you ever going to rationally explain the resurrection of Jesus from the dead? How are you going to explain the virgin birth, which is crucial to the salvation message? That Jesus is not only human, 
but divine. How are we going to explain that? So that's why throughout history, theologians have to try to water those things down to make it rational. And in that attempt to be rational, we have watered down the gospel. Whereas no longer the truth, it's watered down truth. It's like gospel light. I just want to let you know, I don't, I don't drink no Diet Coke and no sucralose or no. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to get the real stuff. Don't drink Coke, by the way. That's not, bad. That's not good for you. In his sovereignty, yes, he depended on this girl to say yes. And I'm, think, I'm sure God knew she would say yes, so he picked her. But man, it just boggles my mind. Every Christmas, I think about this one girl that said yes. Because the yes is so powerful and it unlocks the kingdom. It unlocks things, the worlds that you never thought you would go to. My des- I, God gave me a desire to go to North Korea, my home, t- my home country that is divided. My country is south. I'm not from the north. My wife is family is from the north. They escaped North Korea. I just thought, I want my country to be united. I just read this book this 700-page book on the history of Korea. And then I just said, I got I to reconnect to my home country. And I just said to God, God, yes, if you want me to go to North Korea, I will. Yes, I will be a martyr there. Yes, that's what I said. Irrational. And then lo and behold, the next year I went. I said, yes, before came. The yes came before the showing. I don't know, anybody... <laughs> Awake. Yes is so powerful. That's why you got to keep protecting, protecting the yes. It can't just be a yes in the moment and then me a, like a maybe later and I'm doubting now. I don't know. Maybe a no. You got to keep the yes. And it says when she pondered, that word in the Greek is kept pondering. She continuously pondered over and over again. And what does that pon- word ponder mean? It comes from the Latin pondus, means to weigh. She kept weighing the things of this world with the things of God. And what God said and what the world says, what your situation says and what God says, and she kept weighing and she decided that what God said weighs more. And the things of this world is so light it just floats floats away but for some of us the things of this world become so heavy and the word of god floats away oh that's good (laughs) she kept pondering it's yes it's not a momentary like i'll just i'll follow jesus i'll follow god it's a continuous weighing you're deciding daily which is more heavier then all your problems seem so light She kept pondering, kept saying yes, 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 yes. My father is dying of cancer, which happened. And then I was just struggling. And I said, but yes, your word is greater than this cancer. Can you 
keep your yes during irrational seasons when things don't make sense. Madeleine Engel wrote this. This is the irrational season. She's talking about Christmas. When love blooms bright and wild, had Mary been filled with reason, there had been no room for the child. You gotta weigh faith with reason. Some things don't make sense right now. What God is asking me to do doesn't make sense. God, what God is asking me to believe doesn't make sense. It's just, you gotta weigh. You gotta decide whether this is true despite what makes sense. It didn't make sense for her to say, be unto me, do whatever you want. Yes, I could die. Sure, I will be mocked. That sounds good. Shift the way. There's a real cost to saying yes. Irrational. If I was, if my wife and I were doing rational things, we would not be doing this. This is irrational. We are 50. You're 50. We've done this twice already. Why would we go through another? You guys don't know. You guys come here like enjoying. <laughs> wow, what a nice place in the middle of downtown. Wow, just nice. I'm just going to have this service and we're going to eat lunch and we're going to eat some pho, whatever, whatever you guys do. Yeah, yeah, for us, this is like a, this is a, it's like birthing a church is like birth pregnancy. You guys don't know because you guys have never been pregnant. It is, oh, the first three months is such a precarious season. Just praying, just waiting, anticipating. And then raising, birthing a church is also like raising a child. When they're walking and they're about to hit their heads. And then one time Isabel hit her head on the corner of a desk. She's such a tough girl. She would hit her head and she'd be like, oh. And then she'll walk away. She'll fall off a bike and she'll be like. <laughs> Notice I'm just talking about my daughter. <laughs> She's just a tough girl. One time she hit the corner of her head on the temple and then her head started like ballooning like this. No joke. And then we were watching. We were at a dinner party and I just kept looking at her head and I went, should we go to the hospital? And she did not cry. She was like this. She only cried when she looked at herself in the mirror. <laughs> She's like, and she looked at herself. Wah! She started freaking out. Right? Just birthing a church is like that. It's just going through all these seasons. Why would we want to do it again? We did it. 18 years, five years. We did it already. We, this is irrational. Us coming to Vancouver was not rational. I had a nice job lined up in Irvine, California. Agreed to pay for a house for us. Coming here is irrational to the rain. <laughs> this is not, you guys think I enjoy the rain. I do not enjoy the rain. This is not, yesterday we had a sunny day. My wife's like, what a nice reprieve. Yeah, in the midst of seven months of rain, one day. Yeah, great. I could have lived in California. Do you understand? And then, Three years after, somebody called me from New York. My dream city, if it's not Hawaii, it's New York. Somebody called me from New York. They had a huge church and they said, somebody recommended you and we're here to give you, offer you a job 
as the new assistant pastor of a 500 people congregation. Then I told my wife, I think, I think we should go. And she said, no way. <laughs> you just promised this church of 20, pe- 20 people coming and just five people gathering like members. It's kind of like this. I said, you just committed to this. And if you s- and you're talking about how God called you here and all that. <laughs> and then if you go to New York, you're just, you will have no integrity. <laughs> Not with them and with me. You will have no more. Everything you say will just kind of fall flat. <laughs> like, why do you have to put it that way? But it's New York. Come on, it's flushing New York. Come on, honey. We can watch the U.S. Open. Come on. Luger State, come on. She said no. Sometimes what God calls us to do and calls us to believe is irrational. So stop trying to make the gospel rational. Weigh. And you got to weigh. And you got to say yes even during the chaotic season. That season for Mary was chaotic. What's going on? The census? What? Why can't, what do we have to do right now? It's chaotic. Oh, there's no room in the... What? I got to go have birth in a manger? I'll talk, maybe I'll talk about that next week. Chaos. It's almost as if God doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> you guys are like, oh, <laughs> did he just say that out loud? I, I did say that out loud. It's almost like God doesn't know what he's doing. Like me at Christmas shopping for people. I have no idea. We're just making it up as we go along. The shirt, yeah, sure, let's do it. And my wife's like, no. But do you know? She's like, no. We're just running around. And then we had a plan A and then plan B presence. And it's just always last minute scramble. No idea. It's almost like that if you read these passages. Can we be real? That's what it sounds like. Not like from the perspective of, well, everything worked out. God works everything out. In the moment, in the context, you'd be like, what's going on? Why is everything changing all the time? It's chaos. It's like almost like God had a plan A. Okay, change of plans. Plan B. Oh, now after you get, now you got to escape to Egypt. That's plan B. Do you understand the words coming out of my mouth? It's almost he's just making it up as he's going along. Sometimes we have to weigh whether we, d- we believe that God knows what he's doing. That's continuous pondering. When there's confusion and chaos, that can weigh heavier. And then the character of God and the goodness of God sums, starts to float away. You know, when you think that somebody doesn't know what they're doing, you take over. <laughs> Isn't that true? <laughs> I remember my son was doing a IB English. You know IB English? IB, do you guys know IB? Everybody knows IB. Hell no, I would never do IB. Well, I never told my son to do it. We're not those kind of parents. He decided to do it himself. And I kept saying, are you sure, son? He, he got suckered in by the grading system. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh, Dad, I just need to get a four out of seven. I'm like, I don't think it's that easy. He did it. And so he struggled through. We didn't talk to him for about a couple of years. He just hoodie on. 
It's so sad. But when he, he's laughing because he knows it's true. <laughs> it's true. And then when he was doing his IB like final project, which is the, his English paper, and I was looking at him and I'm like, son, shouldn't you be doing something like that's going to give you a good mark, like write a paper on history so you can have all the citations in his? No, then I'm just going to talk about like this book and I'm just going to go with it. And I said, no, this is, <laughs> you don't do that. You don't do this is your future, man. This is your future. And I started to try to take over. He came into his room trying to control the situation. What about, these, what about history? What about like the history of slavery in America? Which my daughter listened to me and <laughs> did. And then he did, he just can't, I just can't, and he gets like dabbing me alone. And my wife's like, just stop bothering him. And I'm like, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's going to mess this up. But you know what happened? You got like seven out of seven on yeah. that essay. <laughs> Why are you clapping? Why are you clapping? <laughs> it's because I think I can do better. I think I can do better. But he knew what he was doing, even in his haphazardness and papers all around and just reading a book and emailing his friends, reading a book. I'm like, this, this doesn't make sense. It's chaotic. This room is chaotic. There's papers everywhere. There's food everywhere. This chaotic. Do you guys understand? What's, I'm trying to convey a picture that in the midst of chaos, there's order. The Holy Spirit hovers over the waters that the word in the Greek overshadowed Mary. is the same word, overshadow the Holy Spirit, there's waters. Genesis 1, there's dark waters. The waters always in the ancient times symbolized chaos. There were the monsters would rise up, and that's what it would cause storms. Do you understand? That's why the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters. True creative work brought order into chaos. That's why Jesus walked on water. I have control over chaos. Do you think he was just showing off? Oh, you guys left. Oh, shoot, what do I do? I better just walk on water. Is that what you think he did? It's everything he does, there's a purpose. He's saying, look at you guys are all scared in your boat, little boat. Look at I'm walking on water. No need to be afraid. So you gotta ponder. Are you gonna are you gonna trust the chaos or are you gonna trust in his character? What areas of your life are you taking over? You've taken over. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. Get out of the way because I don't think you really know what you're doing in this area. Irrational seasons, chaotic seasons. But she also pondered on the cost of obedience. Angel said in Luke 128, Hey, be happy, rejoice, you favored one. And I don't know if you guys ever watch Rocky. Nobody watches Rocky. <laughs> the greatest movie of all time. <laughs> Forget it. I'm not even going to go there. What favor? Whoever watched it knows what I'm talking about. Inside joke here. Mary's like, Angel says, favored, you're favored. <laughs> then if I was Mary, I'd be like, what favor? 
how is this favorable for me? Because she knew, already knew, everybody knew what was coming. Numbers 5, 11, everybody knew what was coming. She would have to do the bitter water test. The bitter water test is when a woman is caught in adultery, they would mixture, they would mix water with dust and holy water and write a curse on the water and the, the, wor- and the woman drank it. If she has a miscarriage, she had adultery. If she didn't, it means that she was innocent. That she would have to do this bitter water test. She would have to symbolically swallow bitter water. Ooh, man, that was a good point. <laughs> that she would sometimes, obeying God means sometimes we have to drink bitter water. You have to pay the cost. But Exodus, good news, Exodus 15, 27, there was bitter water and people were saying, this water is no good, it's bitter. And the crowd started to grumble. And then God told Moses, put a tree in there. Listen to the words I'm saying very carefully. This is good. Put a tree in there and this wood made the water sweet. There's actually a tree in the Sudan, Moringa Olifera. That the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations said that the village women have successfully used a tree, Moringa Olifera, to cleanse the highly turbid water of the River Nile. There's actually wood to cleanse the water. So... God said to Moses, put some, put some wood in there. It's actually interesting that in Matthew 27, 34, when Jesus was on the cross, they gave him sour wine or sour water mingled with gall, bitterness to drink. This happened right after Jesus said, God, my father, my father, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? In the midst of chaos, Jesus himself was weighing. Let's drink some bitter water. The soldiers were giving them, giving Jesus the bitter water. Look what happened to you for your truth and for your convictions. Now you're on the cross, mocking and laughing, bitterness. And misfortune is what the word gall means in the Greek. Bitterness and misfortune. See, if you drink bitter water without the wood, which is the cross, you miscarry. (sighs) Help them understand. Sometimes in life, The life will bring you seasons of bitterness, misfortune, things that go wrong and awry. Sometimes you have to drink the bitter water like my dad died of cancer within three days, I mean within three months. Sometimes you have to drink it. Sometimes things happen. It just does, it's misfortune, the world says, misfortune. And sometimes we feel like we got to drink this bitterness. But if you don't put the cross on it, if you don't put the wood in it, it becomes bitter and you will miscarry the future that God has purposed for you. 
was good. <laughs> you know why I say that? Because you guys are like, do not understand the importance of this. Do not miscarry the purposes of God in your life because of some misfortune. Because those things are momentary, but it can be continual if you just keep drinking bitter water without making it sweet in light of the cross that Jesus drank bitter water, but out of his side came living water. See, everything has to be from the point of viewpoint of the cross, that though there was death and bitterness, there was resurrection and sweetness through the cross. Mary, yes, she said yes. She had to think about this burden. She had to live for 33 years with this turmoil and burden, but she kept pondering all those years. She weighed. This doesn't make sense, but I believe the word. This is, I'm be this is becoming chaotic, but I, I believe, I believe. This is getting hard. Jesus being my son, this is getting hard, but I believe, I believe. But think about the joy that she got. She got the joy of being the mother of the Son of God. Think about the reward. There has been no woman greater on earth and in heaven. Think about it. This is a season for you to ponder. This is not a season to like go shopping and those things are good and have dinners. And, but I urge you in the midst of this season to find time to keep quiet, ponder, re-decide, re-decide, actually decide continuously, ponder. All the things that have happened to my wife and I in our lives, this is the one thing I do every day, ponder. Sometimes the world seems a little heavy, God. But it's a yes in my heart that makes it light. It's the yes in my heart that decides this is true. Ponder that God of the universe came and invaded our darkness. But think about this. Right after the last prophet, Malachi, it was almost 400 years before Jesus came. It wasn't like right after the next day, oh, Jesus, 400 years of silence. That even in that silence, there was a plan. Even in that silence, God was not silent because he was busy trying to figure out a way. He already knew the way. Just the right time. So when you're talking to somebody that knows everything, it would be smart of you not to talk so much. Isn't that true? 
I know sometimes I have young people come in, ask me for meetings, and they talk the whole time. <laughs> Hi, how are you? So, I'm so happy to meet with you. One hour just talking. It's nice to meet you. Glad that I met you with you, and I know a little bit more about you. Interesting. <laughs> you have an interesting life. You have any questions for me? No, I just wanted to tell you about myself. Great. <laughs> I've, no, I've known this principle in my life. When, I, when there's somebody in front of me that knows a lot, has lived life, I usually am more silent. Because they know something I don't know. Now, when you're talking to God, and God knows everything, and even if he's silent, doesn't mean that he doesn't know. He just wants you to know that he doesn't want to talk to you about it right now. <laughs> and he wants you to match his silence. Stop talking like you, talking will make things better. Ponder. Just wait. Just, he just wants you to wait mm, in your heart. Yes. Silence. It's good to just have some silence and listen. The reason you don't listen is because you're afraid of what God's going to ask you to do. Most of us don't pray is because deep inside we're afraid what he's going to call us to do. If you were willing to just say yes to whatever he called you to do, you would pray more. That's a bonus point I just gave you. <laughs> silence. Let's begin this new season, well, just December, with silence and pondering, weighing. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. I'm excited. Christmas. Next two, three, se three weeks is all about Jesus Christ. All right. If you want to, put your hand on your heart here. This is the decision center of your life. And raise your right hand, which is a symbol that I belong to Jesus. I know some people raise their hands like this. But note this. In ancient times, when people went through dark valleys and areas where there was a lot, were a lot of robbers, you would have to raise your hands high so they can see you, that I, you have the mark of the king, that you belong to somebody, that they won't attack you. So when you raise your hands, I just pretend like I'm being protected. Don't bother me. I want you to ponder just, just for a couple minutes now in silence. During this season, what are the areas of your life where you've taken over? Because you don't trust that God knows what he's doing. There's, for some of you, there's chaos. There's family members that are sick. And there's irrational seasons. I know there's people who are here who have family members that are going through cancer, sickness, This is truly, even in the world, an irrational season. This is just never gone through a season like this.
but you weigh the things of the world, the, what the world is telling you. Be afraid, be scared with what God says, who he is. Sense that peace in your heart. I trust the Lord. Once you decide, you'll see your burdens will become light. And you keep doing it until you feel your burdens become light. I know somebody I went to university with, he's 47. He was in the ICU. They said he's going to live for two more days. He was intubated because of COVID. And they wanted to take it out and then let him pass away. And his wife, believers in Christ, God will have the final say. And then she fought, even tried to get the lawyers to not do that. And people thought she was irrational. That he would be suffering more. It's just game over. There is no game over with Christ. Just wanted to let you know he's out. Not out of this world, in the world. He's recovering. It's a miracle. I just want to let you know God has the final say. That's the cross. So we trust in you. You have the final say, whether life or death, we know that we have eternal life with you. We trust in you. We shall not fear. We give you all the glory. We will ponder and we will decide what weighs more in our lives. We thank you, Jesus, for coming, breaking into the chaos, bringing order. We celebrate you. We give you praise. Prepare our hearts for your coming this Christmas season. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, let's praise God.